You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, good morning, good evening, good night, good day to you, ladies and gents. My voice just broke like I've just reached puberty. I'm Alicia, the host of the Bride Chiller Podcast, this here podcast, and it is all about helping you plan your wedding without losing your shit. I was inspired to do a bit of a re-edit of an older episode this week. I wasn't actually planning to do this, but Coming from the Bride Chiller community, our Facebook group, I always try and bounce around some ideas, bounce some ideas around that might be relevant to you at this time. And the one conversation that has been coming up a lot is about traditions. And there was a fairly full-on conversation this week about garters and uh, bouquets. And it was interesting to see that some people still are very pro doing these traditional things, which is absolutely fine. As you'll hear me say in this episode, I am not dissing if you know the idea if you are sticking to all of the traditions and you're having a big white wedding and all this stuff. I think it's great because it's what you want. But a lot of people have said, yeah, we're going to change or manipulate or mold our own traditions, which I think is very exciting. So after this conversation, happened. And I will say we've had a lot of new people come into the Bride Chiller community because, ironically, The Knot had a wedding planning community called The Wed Thread. I've never seen this. I wasn't in the the community, so I wasn't really aware of how it was working. But they shut it down because shit got nasty, is what I heard. And a lot of people from The Wed Thread have migrated to Bride Chiller, which is great because that gives us a chance to make lots new fr- lots new friends. What, what the hell's going on with me? Lots of new Bride Chiller friends in the community, but also share the ethos of Bride Chiller. So it was great to see people coming into the community, but also going, what what podcast? What is this? That didn't, I, I can't hear their voices, but that's how I read it. And uh, really for us, the mods and I explaining that this forum that we've created isn't just about talking about weddings, it's about the podcast as well. And the podcast's all about empowering you to make the decisions that make you happy. So there it is. So this episode is actually an older episode. It was episode 121. I've done a bit of an edit on it, but really I'm proud of this episode because it goes through and explains the origins of some traditions. I go off on a couple of weird rants as usual, and I think it's great to empower yourself with information, like in any facet of our lives, about where things happen, why things are happening, and how we can make changes to our modern existences. Existences. It's not a word. Right, here it is, introducing this episode, me introducing myself. Not strange at all. Thank you so much for joining me. If you are newly engaged, congratulations. You'll get used to that if you've never heard the show before. Weird voices, singing, you get it all for free. Just what you want. Today on the show is all about traditions, about why we choose to do what we do when it comes to weddings. Weddings are jam-packed, chock-a-block full of traditions, and a lot of the time, we have no idea why we're doing the things that we do. This isn't a history lesson. This is really just maybe five or six points that I'm going to make to you about some areas that I think you could probably ditch or at least manipulate and change to make your own. But it's tradition. You've got to do it this way. Oh my gosh. How many times have you heard people say that and you go, what? What? 
What are you talking about? Why must I do these things just because everyone else has done them? Today on the show, it is ditchable wedding traditions. Those traditions from yesteryear that we seem to continue to cling on to, even though they really don't provide any value or have any relevance to our current life, from white dresses to the bridal waltz to bridesmaids to getting married to someone from the opposite sex. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Really, my goal in this whole podcast world is to offer you some solutions and also give you the confidence to make a change, not having to follow everyone else off the cliff like the other lemmings. It is one of those situations where you can really do whatever the hell you want to do whenever you want to do it. My voice got really deep because I'm really serious about it. Someone said to me recently, oh my God, you must really love weddings. You must really have a great time talking about weddings all the time. Weddings are so amazing. Oh my God. Do you just love everything about weddings? And I have a problem when people ask me questions like that. They're sort of loaded questions. And of course, I'm not going to go, actually, I find the wedding industry is a deep-seated patriarchal money pit. But I can't say that because... Well, I don't necessarily believe that 100%, but I also believe that we are conditioned to think we need to have the big fluffy white dress, we need to have 500 people at our wedding, that we need to follow certain rules and procedures or it isn't a proper wedding or it isn't what everyone's expecting or it isn't going to be the wedding of your dreams, blah, blah, blah. And what's wonderful about this community I've sort of underhandedly created is that I get emails every week from brides who just say they don't want any of that. They want to cast that away. And grooms, sorry grooms, I didn't mean to forget you, but I get I get emails from couples, I stand corrected, sort of saying, yeah, this doesn't interest us. Move on, build a bridge, get over it. So today's show is all about giving you some traditions, some history behind the traditions, and then giving you a reason why not to use them or at least manipulate, maneuver around the traditions and uh, make your own traditions, basically. I was trying to decide when I was thinking about this episode if I'd just give you a number, like 20 traditions you can ditch, but I don't want to put that sort of uh, restriction on myself, really. I want to be able to just tell it all, get to the end. Hopefully you'll be more enlightened with it. So here you go. The first suggestion I have, and it's one that really irks me, is that a lot of people still feel obliged to put on the invitations their parents' name. And this comes from a very old-fashioned tradition where often the parents, and this still is obviously the case for a lot of people, but the parents are the ones organizing the actual wedding. They're hosting the wedding. The tradition is that they are formally inviting you to a function they are holding on behalf of the kids who were getting hitched. If you want to spend some time reading some crazy shit on wedding forums, go and read about how to write the appropriate uh, words on the invitations, how to appropriately introduce people, especially when it comes to the idea that you were trying to do blended families, combined families, you've got dead parents, alive parents, bloody foster parents, adoptive parents, all this stuff. And people get really bitchy and crazy about the formality and saying, well, that's not the etiquette. And that's what I like to read and get a little bit angry. And then I have to leave and have a vodka soda and then just think about, you know, 
the fact that those people have spent all that time getting angry at total strangers on the internet. However, I think when you are in a modern situation, especially if your parents aren't having anything to do with the organizing besides turning up, and even if they are chucking some money in, it's your event. You don't really have to do that anymore. It's old school. Yeah, it gives this element of like, oh, they're very classy. Mr. and Mrs. Bartholomew, on behalf of the bloody blah, 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 invite you to blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, who, who do you think you are? is the big question. Do you need to do that? Probably not. There are so many cool websites, links, etc. out there that give you some fun, modern ways to write your invitation wording that aren't stuffy. You're not pretending to be cast members from Downton Abbey. It isn't like you are living in a manor somewhere. It's not necessary and people don't give a shit. When they read them, they really just skim it and go, where's the date? Where's it happening? How much time have I got up my sleeve? How drunk am I going to get? Where am I going to stay that weekend? That's what they think about when they read your wedding invitation. They might think at the top, sorry, that's a lovely invitation. Oh, it's so glad. I'm so glad they've invited me. They're such a great couple. You're hoping that's what they're going to say. They're not reading going, Mr. and Mrs. Tony Bubber, quarterly and quarterly. Is that the word? I don't even know because it's stupid. Invite you to come to blah, blah, blah on behalf of the, you know, stop it. Just stop it. Kids, kids at weddings, oh my God. Okay, some kids are adorable. Some are really fun and lovely. Many are not. Now, I don't know if you have a child that you are planning to bring out and put on show for your wedding, but a lot of the time, and you know, people say over and over again, don't work with animals and children, fine. At least a dog you can put on a leash and drag down. No, that's... (laughs) Gee, this is really ranty. This is a bit a-hole, Alicia, on this show today. I'm just saying, if you're planning to have a three-year-old be really cute and walk in wearing a sign or carrying a ring, you have to be ready for that kid to shit their pants and scream or cry or roll down the aisle. Some can be just charming. There's so many great little YouTube videos and stuff that people share around of kids running down and going, screaming, but also it can be really annoying. Unless you're, you know, part of the trained Kardashian crew or one of Kyle and Kim Richards, you know, child actors that have been around forever. I just did two really bad reality TV throwbacks then, if anyone's taking any notice of that. If you, unless you have kids that are little performers that are really confident, aren't going to be freaked out by big crowds, because also that's quite overwhelming for a small child to be just sort of pushed down an aisle and they're going, what the hell is going on here? You know, so I think rethink the traditional flower girl ring bearer kid if you don't want to have some sort of issue that you have to fix on the day. Not you. If someone else has to walk the kid down the aisle, what's going to happen afterwards? Do you whisk them off to another room, lock them in a car? I don't know. That's awful. I don't mean that. Don't lock your kids in the car. You can in winter because it's not, no, that's also wrong. Gee, so that's what the sort of Alicia you get if you come to one of my stand-up shows. She's a bit mean. To be honest, I think you're better off training your dog or cat to walk down the aisle because you know that if you have food at the other end, they're probably going to do what you ask. Oof, there you go. When it comes to registry items, one thing I've been really interested in seeing is that people still register for traditional crockery. I find that really strange. Who uses that stuff? I love a fancy plate. Don't get me wrong. I love some Danish. I've got a gorgeous set of Danish coffee cups, which are very good. And I'm always fearing for my life because I'm the most klutzy, clumsy person. And I'd hate to break them. But this idea of having a formal dinner set, meh, meh, 
it's not really a wedding thing. It's just something I've been seeing people and also companies still pushing this idea that you have to register to have some sort of gold-framed plate that you can't put in a dishwasher or a microwave because it explodes. Just ditch it. If you're planning to do it, just get a really funky, cool pair pair set, whatever they're called, of crockery, set you on your way. I don't know if you've listened to, I think it was the episode number one, maybe I've met, uh, maybe actually, I don't know, early on in the Save the Date Wedding podcast, I talked about my very first job and it was a shop. <laughs> it was at a shop called Habitat in Hobart. And there's also a big company in England called Habitat. It's not the same company. I don't know how they got away with that legally. However, it was a homeware store and I was given the role over a Christmas uh, period to be a salesperson. They had the normal shop downstairs where they sold all the sort of, you know, glassware and crockery and boring things and those lemon squeezes and stuff that you buy that you forget. Once you've used it once or twice, it gets put in the second drawer in your house and then just disappears. You don't. And then when you move, you go, what the fuck's this? I don't know what this is. I bought this. It was $12. Get rid of it. Anyway, so I was downstairs. I was selling all that. It was fun. It was easy. And then they said, we need you to cover upstairs, which was the fancy floor where they sold all of the hoity-toity crockery and plates. And I was like, okay, I'll treat this as a budding young actor. I said, I will treat this as an acting exercise. Now, I knew nothing about Royal Dalton or I can't remember any other name brands because I care so little about this stuff. But I sort of ended up making a lot of it up. And, you know, it's it's old ladies coming in saying, I'm collecting a piece from the Peony Special Edition plate, and it's been around since 14th the century, whatever. They never made much sense. And they were buying plates, special things that they would then put most of the time in a wonderful glass cupboard, a display unit for plates, which they never used because they didn't want people to put food on the plates because then that would damage the plates and then waste of money. I don't know. Anyway, that's where I worked. So I've always sort of thought it's a bit silly, young people especially, where we don't have the formality of going, please come to my house and we'll go and sit in a separate drawing room and I will serve you on the special plates using the special knives and forks, which we never use and we have to polish because if you don't, they get all tarnished. And, you know, we don't really, our generation doesn't really do that anymore. Yet, on all these registry surveys and lists, I keep reading about people registering for crockery because they think that's what they should be doing. Spend your money on drugs or alcohol or something. Do something interesting with your time. Don't do drugs. Well, do, actually. Do whatever you want to do. The garter toss is something I find a little repulsive because a lot of the pictures, and this is not about, you know, the idea of a man's face being up at his bride's dress. Great. Just do it later. I don't want to see it. In reading about this, doing my research, because I do do my research, my fellow bride chillers, someone had, I went to a website and they said, the quote is, the garter toss is an integral part of the wedding service. I'm like, well, I'll never be visiting your website again. I don't think that's very, I don't know. It's just nothing that we really need to be doing. So the garter toss originally, right, it dates back ye olde times. And actually, the history of the garter toss is a little rapey and creepy. I know, I just said rapey and creepy on a wedding podcast, but here it is. Hundreds of years ago, there was a superstition that said that all your guests should own a piece of the wedding dress. They should take it home for good luck. So instead of the bride just taking the dress off and cutting it up or ripping it up, basically she would be attacked on the day 
in a friendly guests attacking the bride sort of way and they would rip a piece of her gown and take it home. It's pretty feral. So then what happened is they said, well, we will give a, a small article of clothing. We'll design something, the garter, which was then traditionally, you think about what a garter is. It used to hold your stockings up. You know, old school times, the garter would be the thing. You, they didn't have elasticated waists in those days. They would just slink it up their legs and use it to hold it on. And that was an element of giving away a part of the clothes. Also, of course, there's the sex side of it. They're saying that it's a consummation of marriage sort of thing, that they've done the deed. They'd take the garter off as a proof that he'd, you know, gotten to home base. And then it's shared with the audience to give good luck or something. Honestly, there are about 50 million different versions of why this should be happening and why it did happen. But now I don't really see... I don't know. I've been to weddings where they've done the horrible sort of head up the head up the dress stuff. It sort of comes out unless you can really pull it off, excuse the pun, in a fun way. It's a bit gross. I don't know. It's not my scene. I'm sorry. Chair covers, garter toss. They're on notice. I don't have any real need or interest in talking about them again. I think they can be a little tacky. Some of the photos, they have women hitching up their skirts to show these sort of frilly, disgusting things. Oh, God. I Actually, I hate them. Sorry. I've just come to the conclusion. I need to own it. I don't like it. If you're doing it, I congrats. We don't all have to do the same thing. It's the whole point. But I'm not really into it. There it is. The garter toss. Ditch it if you don't want it. Billy Idol said it's a nice day for a white wedding and there is really no real need for you to have to feel obliged to be wearing white ivory cream on your wedding day. If you don't wish to wear that color, don't wear it. If you look great in red or black or if you want to go for some sort of floral, there's some beautiful, and this sounds, I mean, I'm not going to describe this very well, but there are some amazing gowns and dresses that are patterned that have the wedding-y look if you still want to go for that look, but have a lot of colour and pizzazz. Not everyone looks great in white and cream. Certainly not everyone looks great in a strapless gown. I'm really sick of seeing everyone wearing strapless gowns. Now, that's not saying you don't have to not wear a strapless gown. That was complicated unnecessarily. It's just that this idea that everyone has to wear them. I don't think necessarily when I'm going dress shopping, not including weddings, that I would ever really be purchasing a a gown without straps or sleeves. It's just not my style. So why must we all be forced to wear, because of the magazines and the designers all just making the same dress over and over again? Seriously, next time you spend a hungover Sunday afternoon watching Say Yes to the Dress, which I still do, I love that show, look at what people are buying and umming and ahhing about. Fundamentally... 90% of the dresses featured in bridal, well, dress shops, bridal salons, whatever you want to call them, are a piece of, (laughs) the same piece of design, the same piece of material with other bits of material stuck on, strapless, tight, maybe puffy at the waist, maybe fishtail. It's all sort of the same. Would you go into a shop and buy that dress if it wasn't your wedding? That's the question I have for you. And recently I received an email. Um, I've talked about this before, my sort of disdain for the same, same, same looking things. Lovely uh, Laura, her she's at Team Gilling on Twitter. She sent me a message and um, she was saying she <laughs> had to email me about these bloody awful strapless dresses. 
In a recent bridal shop, the old lady who owned the shop confessed to me that the industry perpetuates this look because it's easier and cheaper for the dress manufacturers to produce this style of dress. Less fabric and less trouble. It's easier for bridal shops to make it fit because they don't have to take into consideration a whole portion of your body. There's a bit of a look. It sounds like a conspiracy theory that's actually true. Mystery solved. Let's all together get together and change this hideous trend. Also, I found my dress this week. It's the top part ofs and a lovely short sleeve. Winner. See, I love that. Now, I'm not saying if you're going for that look, don't do it. I'm just saying it'd be really nice if we could have a little bit of a broader opinion, a bit of a broader sort of ideas of what dress style suits, what bodies, what color suits for the bodies. And I suppose that really just comes down to what you prefer, what you want to buy. And it comes to the idea about men as well. Not everyone looks good in a gray suit. Maybe you want a bright suit. Maybe you want a tartan suit. I don't know. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. All right. More traditions that we can ditch or manipulate or change after this. I just want to reiterate, if you want to wear a strapless gown, I fully support you. It's not me against the world of strapless gowns. It's me against the system that makes us all think we need to wear strapless gowns. I think you get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be negative Nelly about it. I think they can be beautiful and stunning. But, you know, just think outside the box if they're not necessarily your thing. Veils are another thing that I feel people sort of just wear because they think that's what they should be wearing. Now, a veil originally... I've said this before, I think, it comes from the idea that you were being married off as a woman, married off to a guy you've never met before, and a veil is a way so that she would get to the altar, he would marry her before he saw her, so her face is covered in case he thought she was manky, she wasn't attractive. It was a way to cover it up, to get the commitment, like it's like having a blank Tinder profile which probably would be a good thing. And uh, they get married, you lift the veil, he's like, whoo, or oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So a veil is the idea, I mean, the idea, of course, we're not really doing that very much in modern society anymore. So the idea of the veil is obviously an aesthetic detail that is attached to the idea of a wedding. Fine. If you aren't into a veil, why don't you wear a nice hat? Or a wedding clip in your hair or some sort of, um, I don't know, one of those, I want to say hippie bands, but that's just going to make it sound really tacky. But you know, the bands that go around like a little floral band over your forehead or something. Kim Kardashian did that in her 42nd wedding, the one with Chris Humphreys. So there are lots of options. I don't think you need to feel, if you're not a veily person, don't feel obliged to wear a veil. I certainly didn't. I had a really great clip, a little slide that I popped in my hair. And if I could have wore, could have wore, could have worn a, a hat on the day, um, or some sort of little sixties thing, I would have. But it didn't go with my outfit. I wear hats other days. Keep it going. Here she comes. Everyone, stand up. The bride in her uh, strapless wedding gown is about to walk down. Now, look, I'm being very bitchy. We all know this piece of music. It's Wagner's uh, bridal chorus. Straight away, you hear it and go, all right, someone's having a wedding. Let's crack on. She's walking down the aisle right now. Look, it's traditional. It's a little fancy. It can often be just absolutely brutally damaged by a shitty organ player. I've been to weddings where it's really sad. And you know, everyone knows this piece of music so well that when it's not played well, it's really bad. 
I don't think you feel, uh, I don't think you should feel obliged to use this in any way. Listen to this bit. They never really get to this bit because she's usually down the end. Hmm. I mean, it's lovely. I don't want anyone to be uh, taking this the wrong way, but, you know, Hitler loved Wagner. I mean, Wagner wasn't around in Hitler's time. But uh, apparently, according to my research on Wikipedia, where I get all my proper information, that um, the Nazi hierarchy as a whole did not share Hitler's enthusiasm for Wagner's operas and resented attending these lengthy epics at Hitler's insistence. He would make them all go along and listen to Wagner's concerts, or people playing his music, because he found it so empowering and enlightening. Just saying. I'm not putting Nazis and weddings together. That's not what I'm saying. It's very insensitive. I'm just saying you don't have to have this music playing at your wedding. I walked into a great song, Ben Folds. It's called Songs of Love. He didn't write it, but he sang it and it was really great. So I just use that. If you've got a piece of music you like, use it. Walk into it. Use the old, uh, you know, audio editing. It's so quick and easy. You can do it online. Drag and drop a piece of audio in it. If it's just a section of music you really like, you can repeat it over and over again. Get someone techie to help you out. It doesn't have to be classical music. You could bloody walk down the aisle to a TV theme tune. I don't know. Do whatever you want. You don't necessarily need Wagner. I personally love confetti because it's colorful and bright and fun, but a lot of property owners fucking hate it because it's hard to clean up. It gets blown everywhere else. Look, climate change, guys. Climate change. We don't want to litter. And, you know, rice is also a problem now because birds eat it and it expands in their stomachs and they get they get sort of, I don't know, they're gluten-free. I don't know. Actually, rice doesn't contain gluten, so I'm speaking out of my ass. But you've got to be mindful of where you're getting married. If you want that moment where someone's throwing something at you, um, I was Googling today some other options, and I'm not going to list where this is from, but someone, and the naughty kid in me had to giggle, that they said to create a toss bar. And that's a T-O-S-S bar. And, like, I had to be a 14-year-old boy going, toss bar, then creating a toss bar. Like, you know, Beavis and Butthead here. But probably I'm not saying do that. They're suggesting on this website, which I won't, just Google it, you'll see where it is, um, that you could set out different bowls of things and people could collect what they they want to throw at you and then throw it at you. I don't know if you really need to do that. Someone else said that you could throw lavender or scented things, it all seems a bit too much trouble, if you ask me. The big thing is, if you're going to have um, some sort of confetti, one idea is to use recycled confetti. You can buy it. I checked on Amazon. There's lots of companies that sell recycled paper. Also, I love so much. This happened before Ireland passed the gay marriage rules, said yes, they same-sex marriage, they said there was a a company in Ireland that went out of their way and they said, if you post us all this disgusting, bigoted, hate-filled brochures that are anti-gay marriage, we will pulp them and we'll cut them out with little hearts, not pulp them, we'll cut out confetti hearts and repackage them and sell them so people can use them on their wedding day. That, to me, is amazing. It's political, it's making a point, it's recycling, it's not bad for the environment, and it's fun. And you get to tell people, hey, this is made out of bigoted shit, and we're having a nice time, and we're celebrating our love. 
there it is. Confetti is something I think is totally unneeded, unnecessary. It makes a great photo, but if you do want it, think about where you get it from and also be mindful of talking to your venue, talking to a wedding planner. They'll, they'll know if things are allowed or not allowed. And also you don't want to be hit with a bill if you are using it and then people get shitty. I'm not kidding. People will send you bills for this sort of stuff. Mental, absolutely mental. One wedding tradition that is having a bunch of bridesmaids and a bunch of groomsmen. Well, look, obviously we talk a lot on the show about just ditching them entirely. I'm absolutely open for people doing that. The other thing is just to mix it up. If you've got a best friend that's a guy who's a man, add him. Maid chillers, groom chillers, groomsmen chillers. That's too long. I haven't really thought about that one through. But you don't have to have just the same people all dressed in the same stuff all lined up in a row. I think that's really starting to look a bit dated in a way. It's nice that you give them an opportunity to pick their own clothes and all that sort of stuff. Of course, that is an option you have. But if you do have a, a yeah, really close guy friend that you feel you'd love to be a part of your bridal party, but you're going, ah, it's usually just girls all lined up. I don't know if I should do that. Invite him. It's amazing. I had a best man my lovely friend Dan, and he did the like one of the best speeches I've ever heard. I just loved it so much. And he hung around with us in the morning. He had a great time. Him and his girlfriend at the time, Jess, she was there. We had a really nice morning. And I couldn't have, would not have had the day any other way. It was so great to have him there. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. And without him being there would have been really sad. So I'm glad that I had him. And as I said, we didn't have, when I walked in to the wedding, we didn't have people standing up at the front of our wedding. We had our bride's bridal party and we all hung out and we had photos with them. And we had a really good time, but they didn't, they didn't come and stand up the front and we got hitched. And I'm really happy about that. It was a nice little, everyone just chill out, be a part of it. Don't feel like you have to be stuffed people standing at the front. That was our opinion. Again, everything I'm saying in this today, take whatever you want from it, leave the rest. I'm certainly not passing judgment. If you're using all of these traditions that I'm saying, ditch, great. I'm just saying you don't need to have them. Or if you do want them, find a way to actually add a little bit of you, a bit of Rebecca, a bit of Jane, a bit of Sasha. I'm going to list 48 names now. But you know what I mean. Just get it get it together. Think about what it means to you, why you're using the tradition, why we're perpetuating the tradition. And if it doesn't have meaning, either find meaning in it and think about why you're doing it or get rid of it. Create your own traditions. Think about this, lastly. The people that made the traditions originally, they had a purpose. They had a reason for it. Often the reasons were surrounding demons, people invading other people's bodies, stealing them stealing people, you know, they're pretty kooky shit. When you look into the traditions, it all comes from evil spirits. We're preventing, you know, bridesmaids are all for the idea that they're worried that the bride will be taken by evil spirits so that they would like to line everyone up all dressed in a row so they didn't know which one to take. I mean, that's creepy. It really is. These traditions aren't necessarily always great. Recently, you would have heard lovely Holly Smith, the celebrant, she was saying, you know, women carrying bouquets, they're gorgeous to look at. But do you remember why they originally came around? It's because the bride stank. They hadn't had a bath in weeks. It was to hide the spew and the poo smells. It's it's really <laughs> not that glamorous when you think about why we carried the flowers. So all I'm asking in this episode is for you to be mindful of where the traditions came from and what they mean to you. And yeah, 
be empower yourself by not using them or using them and changing them for your own good. There it is. Golly. Oh, big deep breaths. I hope you're having a great day, week, month. If you've just gotten engaged, congratulations. I'm very happy for you and I'm happy you found me. I'm happy we're together. Are there traditions that you're skipping or making changes to? I'd love to hear from you and uh, learn a little bit about your feelings about this matter. I think, as I've said, it is not about laying sort of judgment on anyone that's choosing to do whatever they're doing, whether that's creating a big traditional wedding and following all the traditions or saying, yeah, this works for us, but we're going to tweak it a little bit. I think that's really great. So if you would like to share some of the tradition tweaking you have been doing, head to the Bridechiller community, which is on Facebook. I encourage you to join. It's a cool place to be. Occasionally, I get angry at people for using words like tacky. Fucking hate that word. Honestly, it's very judgy. We don't need to do it. We're better than that. And... <laughs> And you might see me jump on video and uh, do some bride chiller lives. Actually, I will say on the 1st of July or the week of the first week of July, I'm going to launch the 1st of July. Let's just say that 30 days of wedding planning. This is 30 videos, short videos I have created. Oh boy, so much talking on my own um, that really go through all of the key points that I think go into planning a wedding, bride chiller style, keeping it cool, not losing your marbles. And uh, it's a really great way, I think, for new people to the podcast and the bride chiller ethos to jump in and see me talking for like four or five minutes a day about these different topics. I cover everything that I've covered in the books and really basically over 325 episodes of this show in a compacted way. I'll be sharing those in the Facebook community and also on the Bride Chiller Facebook page, the main page, and on YouTube, which I haven't really done much on YouTube. People are like, I, I've subscribed to your YouTube channel. Why aren't you doing it? I'm like, I just don't fucking have the time. I wish I had time to do all the YouTubes. I could be a YouTube star. I could do beauty. I could do beauty reviews. I could do unboxings. I could do, uh, oh my gosh, so much stuff. I don't want to do any of that stuff. But I think that you will really enjoy the 30 days of wedding planning. So I will be advertising, not the right word, sharing those with you as of July 1st. It will go through the whole of July. Also, big announcement coming up for our Chicago Bride Chillers. We are planning to do a live event in early July 2018. So if you are listening to this in the next, next year, next century, you've missed it. But I will hopefully have news for you this week about that event. I know people are like, why aren't you coming to Kansas? Why aren't you coming to LA? And it's like, I just would dearly love to come to all of your towns. And trust me, we're trying to figure out how to do that later in the year. But we're going to Chicago to visit Belinda and Luke, my dear cousin and her husband. And uh, we thought, let's jump in and organize a night. It will be a live record of Bride Chiller and it's going to be great. I've probably said too much. We're going to do an official announcement, but it's going to be great. Radio. Thank you to everyone who has jumped in and invested in a bride chiller guide, as you've heard me plug throughout the show. These are independently produced guides. We don't have a publisher or anyone else putting it out there. We did it all ourselves. We got it printed in China, learned all about the ins and outs. I'm quite worried about the new importation rules by Mr. Trump. Anyway, not for now. But um, we are really delighted that people are supporting. And if you have purchased a guide, I would love, love, love it if you could leave a review wherever you purchase, whether it's on Amazon 
Amazon or our website, bridechillerstore.com. It would mean the world to me because I really think it's all about spreading the word and hearing real testimonials and feedback because that's what makes me buy things. It really does. Thank you so much again, and uh, I really hope wherever you are at with your wedding planning that Bride Chill is helping you out. And if you've got any trouble, if you feel worried, go to the community, ask questions, and uh, get feedback from your peers. Until next week's episode, I'm very excited about next week's episode. It features a lovely friend of mine, Sarah Powell. She's a podcaster, oh, just a generally amazing human being and a bride chiller. She's London. She doesn't speak like that at all. She's got a lovely accent. She's based in London and we spent some time together a few weeks ago recording this episode. She has been on the hunt for a dress and she's hilarious and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So until next week, I bid you happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.